Okay, quick poll. Olive or twist? Twist. Olives, I think. How many? I like three. Three? Never two. How many olives is too many olives? One. (laughs) More than three. I never knew this about you. I like that the lemon peel, all the oils bring out the botanicals of the gin and it's kind of perfumey and fragrant. I like that flavor. Hey, food people, it's Amanda, and welcome to the show. A not-so-little-known secret about the staff at BA is that we love martinis. At least most of us do. We love them like they're one of us, and we think everyone else, at least of appropriate age, should love them too. So today, we're going to look at all of the different ways you can order or make a martini at home so you can figure out exactly the way you love to drink them. To do that, we brought in three BA staffers and big martini enthusiasts, senior food editor Christina Che, senior staff writer Alex Beggs, and contributor Emil Stanek. I think at least two of us are sipping martinis while we record this, so if the conversation goes a little awry, you know why. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Delightful to be here. I was trying to make a... That's my martini glass hitting the microphone. (laughs) Not as festive as I thought it was going to be. Really more of a thump, but... All right, so I'm just going to start off with one question. Is the martini the best cocktail of all time? Yes. (laughs) Okay, that's what I thought. Great. (laughs) This is the easiest podcast ever. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Let's answer the question, why? Begs, why is it the best cocktail of all time? I've been thinking so hard about this, trying to articulate it. And I don't know if it's just that I've watched a lot of the Thin Man movies, and I really wish I was solving murders in the 19... 20s all the time and drinking martinis while doing so but gin is such a subtle and delicious alcohol it's not in your face I wanted to call it refreshing but it doesn't really actually feel like the right word for it but to me something magical happens on the third sip of your martini Ooh, the third sip first one burns a little bit second one your taste buds are still getting used to the alcohol hitting them which you know the human body is like what is this poison? But third sip, you're like, oh, that's really good. I feel like third sip is when it hits your brain, the (laughs) alcohol. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Let me consult my doctor. (laughs) Emil, you're like nodding. Go ahead. Yeah, I think to me, like the thing about the martini is that there are so many cocktails that have a time and a place. There's like a specific time and setting that you want to drink a margarita in. There's like a specific kind of time, season, vibe when you want to be having an old fashioned. But a martini is all day, every day. It's appropriate in all circumstances. It's the cocktail that's there for you when you've had a long day. It's the cocktail that's there for you when you're celebrating. It's the cocktail that you have when you're commiserating. There's no situation when a martini is not just what the doctor ordered. That's a strong statement. Literally any situation is a martini situation. Che, you look dubious. Yeah, I don't know that I agree. I don't think that it's an anytime, all the time drink for me. I actually do feel like what I love about martinis is that there's absolutely no other thing I could possibly imagine drinking in really specific scenarios i like that martinis are very discreet what they literally have their own glass everyone knows when you're drinking a martini (laughs) they look like water 
And <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about steakhouses and a sort of oyster or shrimp cocktail vibe in particular. Mm-hmm. Like, those are really quintessential... It's celebratory. ...martini or nothing moments for me. There are situations that I think do kind of scream martini. So just to back up for a second, the three of you are on this podcast for a reason. It wasn't just an arbitrary selection of three staffers to talk about martinis. You all actually had a concept for a podcast called three martini lunch yeah we've been trying to do this for like yeah, three years every episode would be this <laughs> yeah and we're upset about this episode because yeah. this isn't that <laughs> it's not even lunchtime <laughs> i could just go away right now and leave you guys to handle it well if i had known that i would have batched more martinis amanda <laughs> <laughs> okay so but the, my point is that you have strong affinity for the martini that goes back just generations or at least years of your time at va So let's take that expertise and put it to good use. Let's say you're at home and you want to make a martini instead of getting one at the bar. What is your preferred home method? Most of the time I'm having a martini at home. In January specifically, I started doing a meal prep martini. Everyone else is doing dry January. I knew I didn't have that in me. You went the far other direction. It was dreary. I was barely leaving the house. So what I would do on Sunday after I chopped all my broccoli uh, was make a quart of martinis and freeze them. And I got recipe help from Carly Steiner, who teaches cocktail classes called Seco Cocktails. She's amazing. Basically, you just follow the ratio. So I take my little liquid measure, do a cup of gin, do a half cup of vermouth or less, depending on the mood, Mm. and then fill the rest of the quart container with water because you need to account for not shaking it with ice. And then two dashes of orange bitters. And I'm feeling fancy. Then I shake that up, put it in the freezer. And I also keep my cocktail glasses in the freezer because uh, there are only two people in the house. We can prioritize the room in the freezer for these type of things. (laughs) I'm at five or six or the occasionally 630. I would pour this ice cold martini and it was heaven. And we have a recipe on Bon Appetit for a make-ahead martini where you can learn this important skill yourself. We'll say we also have a recipe for a make-and-drink-now martini on VA if you are feeling impatient. It's a classic recipe with gin, vermouth, and lemon. And the kicker is you have to rapidly stir the drink with ice 50 times before serving. It sounds like a lot, but it allows all of the alcohols and the ice to melt and marry and get to that perfect very cold, very, very, very cold temperature before you hit it with the lemon peel. We will link to that recipe as well in the show notes. Mm. We need to hear our meals. Okay. We make a lot of martinis in this household, but I wouldn't say that it's the same every time. Like first things first, I go over to the liquor cabinet, hutch with all of our glassware. I pick what kind of glassware we're going to use. And that's going to depend a lot on what the vibe is. If they're like, four people were making martinis for, then I might opt for the slightly sturdier parfait glasses, but they <laughs> mm-hmm. like work fine. They're about the and same so, size, no? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, because we just don't have parfait glasses in our culinary vernacular anymore, those have just become martini glasses. So do you own actual martini glasses? I don't actually own a single real proper martini glass. Me neither. See, I really have a problem with those because sometimes I take the first sip 
you know, it's a clear drink. So you don't always have a good sense of where the top is. And like, it falls down my chin. A little dribble. Yeah. <laughs> no, you look like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I dump three ounces of gin into a mixing glass and an ounce of vermouth. Three to one. Okay. Yeah. Stir in like a big mixing flask. I like one olive ideally with a bowl of olives on the side for snacking oh okay this is great so let's take some of this home bar expertise and apply it to when you're ordering a drink out and there's a whole glossary of terms it took me a very long time to even start to understand it and frankly i still forget so i'm gonna do a little quiz you guys are going to answer on all of the different ways that you could order a martini. And I will, uh, I, I have the cheat sheet, so I'll weigh in and say if you're right or wrong. Okay. I'm just going to define the traditional martini. And feel free to disagree, but the traditional martini, as I understand it, is gin and dry vermouth served cold with a green olive or lemon garnish. Now we get into the variations. Okay. Wet. More vermouth. vermouth. I have never heard someone order a wet martini. Oh, I've ordered wet martinis. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay, let me just get this straight. Wet is only in relation to dry. It just means more vermouth than a dry martini. Correct. Okay, dirty. Olive juice. With olive brine. Right, contains dashes of olive brine. Straight up or up? No ice. Yeah, no right. ice. Just up in a martini glass. Gibson. What I'm having tonight. Oh. With a pickled onion. Is it a pearl onion? Yeah, it's got to be. I love it's a, a pickled pearl onion. onion. But they have to be like pickled in the jar, not just like a fresh. Oh, onion. yes. Yes. No, gross. Yes. Gross. Right. Not just a slice. <laughs> it's just a raw onion. <laughs> All right. 50-50 martini. Amigo. Half gin, half vermouth. Right. Which is what I'm drinking right now. One-to-one -one ratio of gin to dry vermouth, considered to be the original iteration of the cocktail by some. Perfect martini. Oh, Ooh, stumper. Oh, half dry vermouth, half sweet vermouth? Yes. Nice. Nice. Okay, so technically a perfect martini is similar to a 50-50 martini in that the gin to vermouth ratio is still one to one. You with me? Okay, but a perfect martini contains two different kinds of vermouth, half sweet and half dry. So the drink is actually... 25% sweet vermouth, 25% dry vermouth, and 50% booze. Oh, I did have one of those recently. It was very good. That sounds nice. Bad Girls Club. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, I'm not done. Kangaroo martini. You put it in your pocket and go outside with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's replacing gin with vodka and then shaken with ice, strained into a chilled glass with a lemon peel garnish. That's just a vodka martini. Okay. Burnt martini. Ooh, stumper. Any guesses? My guess would be that you express the lemon peel over top of the martini, but you use like <laughs> a match. You do like the flamed lemon peel thing. Your mouth is full of overbrewed gin and you blow that at the same time. Create a little flamethrower. The martini comes set on fire. <laughs> I'm sure all of those things exist. But they are not a burnt martini. A burnt martini is has a splash of smoky single malt whiskey. Oh. Ugh. Gross, in my opinion. Last one, Vesper martini. Vesper martini has a split base of gin and vodka and in place of the vermouth, Lillet. And it's shaken, question mark? No, it's still stirred. Shaken, not stirred. Right, well, right, right. Bond style. This is the <laughs> iconic James Bond 
invention, first appearing in Casino Royale, consisting of gin, vodka, and Lillette Blanc, which is an aperitif. Wait. Garnished with a twist of lemon peel. Dude, that sounds kind of good to me. It is good. It's a good cocktail. And Really? Yeah. Vodka and gin? No. Emil, do you shake it or do you stir it? I would stir that cocktail. Me too. Um, because I was always told that if it's all booze, you stir. If there's if you're introducing something that's not booze, you shake. Yes. So like a margarita is shaken because there's lime juice in it. Whereas a cocktail like a Manhattan or a martini, which is all booze, is always stirred. But the thing is, the vodka and gin does a special thing. I mean, I started doing this occasionally during the pandemic when I would run out of gin, but I still <laughs> had some vodka hanging around. And I'd be like, okay, we'll just use half gin, half vodka, and then the appropriate amount of vermouth. And the thing that's really cool about it is I actually think that you taste much in the same way that when you add a little bit of water to whiskey, you taste it a little bit more. Hmm. Because vodka is so flavorless, so it kind of takes on the flavor of the gin. That's true. I always think a vodka martini is like too flavorless, and sometimes a gin is too much, and it's like maybe it's a nice marriage. Wow. Mm. You're selling it. I'm converting. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back, we will talk about a phenomenon that's been sweeping the martini nation. That is the espresso martini. Okay, everyone, I have an announcement to make, and that announcement is that the espresso martini is back. But why? Why was the espresso martini ever gone? To answer some of these questions, we have dear friend of the pod and trend expert Andrea Hernandez, who wrote about espresso martinis in her newsletter, Snackshots. Andrea, we brought you in here today to get to the bottom of this phenomenon. <laughs> so first I have to ask, when was the last espresso martini that you had? So I guess it was like a month ago that I was in New York and I had a Turkish espresso martini at Short Stories. And I'm not gonna lie, consider espresso martinis my my art nemesis but this one wasn't that bad it was actually really good so i love the time story about the trend which came out back in june talks about the origins and they attribute it to a bartender who worked at a london bar actually in the 80s of course and apparently this young model walks in and asks for a drink that will wake me up mess me up although she didn't say mess she said a word that we can't say on the air what do you think about this origin story have you heard anything similar or different i had heard it similarly but do you think the espresso martini that people are making now is different from the one they were making in the 80s like does that have anything to do with why this drink is making a comeback it does feel a lot more globalized like imagine having a turkish espresso martini like that yeah, sounds cool. that sounds good i think there's always a 30 year old reset and i see this a lot with trends where it's that perfect amount of nostalgia that allows for something to come back in a more i don't know how the word but in a way that it's not as cringe so i think that it was the perfect moment i hope that we don't like beat a dead horse because we tend to do that we are at this point where we're very into over consuming everything and i think 
even this grocery store, they launched their own espresso martini bottle. They partnered with a coffee shop. Oh my God. I was just going to ask you, when is the first canned espresso martini going to be out? Oh, that already happened. Like I even found it last year. That's one of the reasons why I tweeted out. I said, oh, so we're going to have espresso martini be the drink of 2021, whether we like it or not. Andrea, you're a prophet. (laughs) We cannot stop over consuming things and we're going to end up killing this. Like we've killed stuff like activated charcoal. We killed stuff like matcha. Like we're just going to kill everything until we're so inundated with it that we're just going to be so disgusted by it. I I 100% see this happening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I want to ask you about that, but I'm looking at this paparazzi photo on GQ's Instagram of Larry David and Timothy Chalamet sipping on espresso martinis. Have you seen this? Yeah, people tagged me on that. We're going to link to this photo. We have to link to this photo in the show notes. He's wearing these like 90s style, like baggy down to his knees shorts with red flames coming up them and you can see his green boxers underneath it is like giving me flashbacks to like every boy I went to school with in sixth grade and then you have Larry David next to him it is like multi-generational you've got the two espresso martinis it's so funny to see it all come back and I 100% guarantee it was not Larry David ordering the espresso martini it was 100% Timothy's like hey Larry I really got you you got to try this drink let me tell you about it have you heard of it it's called the espresso martini Um, Okay, so how long do you think this trend is going to stick around? It's so funny because I think one of the reasons why this was also probably so popular is that think about it, we've been stuck indoors a year and everybody now wants to go out, wants to keep the momentum going. People are going back to clubs, people are going back to late night dining and stuff. And so I think that it'll stem after this novelty feeling wears off, if that makes sense. I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, it's fine. I probably would enjoy an espresso martini. People in the office know this, not because I do this at work, but I have written about my love for tequila in coffee at an appropriate hour of the day, of course. But I think there's something about espresso and alcohol together that can work. It just has to be a particular time, like you said, a lull. Peak espresso martini will be when a celebrity comes out with an espresso martini. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm sure Timothy. And Larry David are already in the works on that. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) Yeah. Andrea Prophet. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me to chat about this. I would love to talk to you all day about espresso martinis and other. (laughs) I want to know every other trend on the horizon, but we'll have to have you back again soon. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. All right, y'all. So where do we stand on this drink that's having a real surprising comeback? Espresso martinis? Yes. No. Maybe. No, thanks. Never heard of her. I say yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I did have one of these recently at a bachelorette, Where? which I would say is one of, if not maybe the only appropriate place for that to come out. It's not an any time of day cocktail. It's not a meal cocktail. You're not drinking that with your lunch or your dinner. You're not drinking that with a pre-dinner snack. Dessert. And you're not really, dr- I mean, maybe you're drinking it with dessert, but. Wait, 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 wait. It's is dessert it, before the club. Is it a breakfast cocktail? <laughs> is it a brunch cocktail? <laughs> All great questions. Let's move on and talk about where we love to order martinis when we go out. I know where I like to go. Do you have a perfect spot? Steakhouse? Yeah, that's the only situation in which I will drink martinis throughout dinner when I know that the bartender can make a good martini and that I don't want to pay for the wine that they have, which is like a steakhouse. 
generally. Mm. Anyone have like iconic spots to martini order at? I think I've drank the most martinis in a sitting at any given time at Long Island Bar. Uh, mm. So good. Which is like wow. almost a dive bar, but with really good martinis. But they're so good. They're so good. I agree. I had a really good experience. This is one of the last times I was in the city before the pandemic when I was like train commuting to New York City every other week. And I sat down at the bar at Balthazar. I ordered steak tartare, french fries, a gin martini. I was like in a in a hurry. And I said, once I finish this martini, I'm going to have another one. So you can just do it again. Start making it now. <laughs> and yeah. it was amazing. I was eating my steak tartare, my fries. I finished the martini. I put the glass down. They like took it away and replaced it with another martini. Uh, Incredible. Wait, after. I need to add another lightning round question, which is sidecar yes please what is it or do yes. we want it yes <laughs> okay, oh, oh. define it though yes but oh. also define it <laughs> oh you know it's yeah. like the little mini overflow that you might get served with your drink on the side in a teeny tiny little glass so like when they purposely make a little bit too much and bring it to you in a tiny glass next to your next to your main cocktail it's your sidekick cocktail yes very very pleasantly welcome beg's favorite time to have a martini set the scene Oh my God, I'm at the bar at Keens. There's a portrait of a naked lady directly in my eyesight. <laughs> um, a very experienced bartender has put the martini in front of me and it slashed over a little bit. There's a few ice shards floating in there. Some people think that's not good. I think that's great. I love it. It just means it's extra cold. And if fries are on the way, we're in business. That sounds so divine. Before we wrap up, Begs. I know you have a martini memory that you wanted to share. Please take us home. A memorable martini for me was, so during the pandemic, my partner and I basically moved to Michigan and we were staying with his parents in Detroit. And every, every night at five o'clock, my father-in-law, who we call Big Bill, he died this July. He used to make them for us. And even though his like body was riddled with cancer, he would get up, shuffle over from his recliner and shake them for us. And he made them so cold that he would have to hold the shaker with a kitchen towel. So wow. he'd pour them for us. And my mother-in-law, Kathy, and I would go with like bagged camp chairs out on the front lawn at five o'clock. So like the whole neighborhood's going by and we would have our martinis out in the yard on these cheap chairs. And I think we became neighborhood legends, but that was wow. maybe the highlight. Every night? I'm sure we skipped a few, um, <laughs> but I can't remember those ones. What a hero. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. I, I don't know. Made me realize that I should enjoy all the martinis I'm having now. Yeah. Drink them for him. Hell yeah. That's a beautiful takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I think we could really go on all day about our love for this cocktail, but maybe we should reserve that for the Three Martini Lunch podcast, which may or may not exist in the future. Sponsors, please call me. For now, thank you all. Thank you to the three of you for nerding out on martinis with me and to our listeners for sticking with us. We'll all have to enjoy one soon together. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Thank you to our guests, Christina Che, Emil Stanek, Alex Beggs, and Andrea Hernandez for all the laughs and martini insights. We'll link to the meal prep martini recipe in the show notes and that pic of Timothy and Larry David. You should probably see it. 
While you're on your phone, give our guests a follow. On Instagram, Che is at C-Che, that's C-H-A-E-Y. Emil is at B underscore Gutish. And Andrea Hernandez is at the Andrea Hernandez. Go read all of her insights at snackshot.com too. That's snack with an X. And you can read all of Beg's writing along with Che and Emile's recipes and stories on bonappetit.com. If you love the show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps keep us food people employed. And you can follow Bon Appetit on Instagram at Bon Appetit Mag and on Twitter at Bon Appetit. Food People is produced by Bon Appetit in partnership with Pod People. Vishnu Vallabhaneni is our senior producer. Ginny Bloom is our showrunner. Madison Lusby is our production manager. And Morgan Foose and Jessica Jones are our associate producers. This episode was engineered by Trey Booty, and the music is by DJ Newmark. June Kim and I provide editorial direction for the series. Special thanks to Matt Sav, Nico Steele, and Julie Shen. I'm your host, Amanda Shapiro, and I'll see you next week. Wow.